brought to you by RunToGold.com, the premier source for monetary science applied to geopolitical, international, and economic financial news and events. Welcome back to the 32nd episode of the RunToGold.com podcast. You're in for a surprise this time. I was a guest judge on BNN, which is Business News Network up in Canada. It's their premier financial national uh, network stations. So uh, in this episode, I was judging between the two presentations about the Potash Corporation and then got to talk a little bit about my book. So enjoy. We're back with a great debate and it's Potash Corporation, a globally dominant player, huge barriers to entry uh, in mining and marketing potash, crucial global fertilizer. Uh, But this stock has tanked uh, over the past year. The irony, of course, is that over five years, this has been a wonderful stock to own. It's still up five-fold. So there's there's been plenty of upside for investors. Just lately, uh, fertilizer prices have been dropping. Demand has fallen off a cliff. I've got the bear case. I'm going to say there's plenty more downside for Potash, notwithstanding the recent rally. Boyd Ehrman is back. Uh, He's going to be presenting the bull case. Yeah, I think there's some good news uh, that's not reflected in the price of this stock at this point. So, uh, uh, Who's going to go first, I guess? Uh, you're going to uh, go first. Am I going to take the lead on this one? You are, and let me just introduce our guest judge, uh, Trace Mayer. He's a financial blogger and the author of The Great Credit Contraction. Uh, Trace, thanks very much for taking the time to join us. Oh, you're welcome, Andy. So sit back, Trace, and uh, you're down in San Diego. We'll get your take on the markets uh, straight after the debate. Boyd, if you wouldn't mind kicking off. Sure. Well, you know, for starters, you know, number one, you talked about the, the drubbing the stock has taken over the past year. It's priced in a lot of the softness that we're seeing. You know, earnings aren't down nearly as much as the stocks. So that's good news. Two, China, India, and inventories. Those are the three things that analysts like the folks at Canaccord are expecting to drive a real nice rebound in prices. And three, they control the market for potash. So you know what? Potash Corp of Saskatchewan can do a lot to influence the price of potash. Uh, they can make sure that they hold their bottom line up. This is not a stock where earnings are going to decline a lot more. You know, we talked about earnings. They earned a buck a share today, uh, this quarter. Uh, so, you know, they, they are still earning good money. Nothing quite like what they were, but not as bad as people would think, given the, the slowdown in demand. Two, China, India, and inventories. I talked about those. You know, people are really expecting that in this, the latter half of 2009 and into 2010, we're going to see more fertilizer application by China and India. The, the prices aren't going to be what they were, but the volumes are going to come back, and that's more important for Potash Corp than, than, than the absolute price in the current market. And inventories. We're seeing a lot of the potash retailers, the fertilizer retailers in the U.S., they've drawn down their inventories right now. Uh, and they're suffering because they're, they're, they're selling to farmers potash they bought in the, in, the, in the high times for low prices. They're really hurting. But at some point, they're going to have to restock that inventory. That's going to be good news. And through all of this, potash, which controls about a quarter of the world production of potash, they are able to make sure the prices hold up. I'm going to say any prospects of uh, profit on this stock are dead and buried uh, at this stage. They're buried in the soil. There's nothing's going to happen with these shares for at least 12 months. Um, and really, it's a threefold uh, bear case. Um, right now, earnings outlook is sliding. Profit is dropping. Um, the uh, big impetus for the run-up, the bull, the 
bubble in North American uh, cereal prices was, of course, ethanol. That's over. Uh, we've got a case of corn blight right now. Let's actually have a look at what happened uh, in the latest quarter for uh, Potash Corp. Their volume year on year dropped 81%. Scotia has a hold on the stock, but they say that was pathetic. They were just pathetic potash sales. Uh, according to Goldman, there's a farmer strike right, uh, on right now. Prices are still far too high for the farmers to pay. Uh, the companies are frantically trying to cut production uh, to bring down supply, but uh, the potash is just not selling at current prices. Prices are going to come down. There go Potash Corp's profits. Let's have a look at guidance. Uh, until yesterday, the company had been maintaining that they would make $11 a share this year. Now it's down to $7.50. When you see executives cutting guidance, you know it's time to get out of a stock. Finally, what's actually going on uh, in the corn market? Uh, more and more scientists coming out and questioning the dodgy economics of uh, growing fuel, using food for fuel, uh, according to... Um, Scotia, a group of more than 20 scientists globally, has just come out with a verdict against that. Uh, corn is over as an ethanol story. Sure. I mean, ethanol is largely stupid. Uh, you know, you put in so much uh, energy. So I am that, that what you reap is it's kind of a zero-sum game. So I'm not going to argue that one with you. But I think mm -hmm. when you look at the long-term chart of potash, you see that that bubble, that ethanol bubble, is gone out of the stock. And we're back to the long-term trend line of just, you know, supplying people to grow food. And that's what potash is really good at. That's what we're going to drive, that what is really going to drive earnings over the long term. So, yeah, you're, you're going to see the effect of, you know, those, those corn-driven earnings coming out of this stock. And that's probably not such a bad thing. You know, the, the, we're just getting back to what really matters, and that is growing food, we do have a growing, growing world population, and that's just, frankly, my killer blow. It's Like I say, it's motherhood and apple pie, but that is the killer blow. It's the food population, pardon me, food demand is still growing. I mean, people talk about a recession, but, you know, we're not, the potash doesn't go into growing foie gras or lobster or champagne, the expensive stuff that people are trading out of. Potash is about bread, pasta, Staple. Well, it's about and meat. And the demand is going to continue to grow. It's about meat, though, because that's where so much of the world's cereal is now going. And uh, in yeah, the poor countries, they can't afford as much meat anymore. No, but uh, that, that is true, maybe on a per-person basis. But the overall effect of the economic growth is going to be that more and more people can afford a portion of meat. And when you travel in, in poor countries, mm -hmm. meat is like a Mercedes. I mean, people want it. They, uh, I've traveled with my wife as a vegetarian, and they, they, they look at you like you're nuts. You come from a a rich country and you don't eat meat, I mean, that's what being rich is all about, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I still think that that secular trend, you know, we are seeing a bit of depression because of the recession and that perhaps, but the secular trend is there. More and more people are eating meat and they're going to demand it. Although it's interesting, more and more controversy over the, uh, the environmental impact of meat. We saw a re study in Britain uh, a while back that indicated that you actually harm the atmosphere wor less by driving uh, than walking because so much of our food energy comes from uh, meat that uh, hurts the environment. No, so there's also no question about that, but the sure. growth in meat demand is coming from where? China, India, countries that have very little regard for uh, sure. environmental policies right now anyway. So I think that's a bit of a canard. Um, I'm going to give you my killer blow, and it's just why would you want to own this stock? Uh, Salile Securities arguing that uh, we're going to have at least three quarters. Um, the first three quarters of this year are going to be rough. Uh, 
the, the amount of potash out there, the unsold, uh, the inventories are 56% above normal. I just explained that farmers aren't buying. Uh, Goldman Sachs calls it a giant game of chicken. Where's the upside? There's far too much potash. Uh, world economy is going to go sideways at best. So these newly affluent consumers, they aren't going to be able to afford meat as easily anyway for at least a year. Uh, potash, it's only down from here. You watch. Stock will rise before the earnings do. Uh, Trace, you've heard both cases. And, uh, yes. Who are, would, you, would you buy POT on what you've heard? Not today, I wouldn't. Great. Sounds like a victory yeah. for me. Carry yeah, I, I, I think I have, to, I have to side with Andy, uh, the bear here, because over the, next, over the next 12 months, I just don't see very much capital moving into the commodities. Right now, people, uh, because of the uncertainty and the, the inherently unsound and unstable worldwide monetary system that we have, people are seeking safety and liquidity. And so they're moving out of these commodities into, into safer, more liquid assets. And, and that's why we, we see these huge overstocked inventories. And it really is becoming a game of chicken between the farmers and producers, uh, not just with potash, but with a lot of the other uh, commodities that are out there. So, you know, just like during the Great Depression, we're seeing cash become king. And, and that's why I think it's not a very good idea to move into, the, into these commodity producers like Potash Corporation because they do have this leveraged effect on their earnings uh, because uh, the, the costs associated with producing it and, the, and how the revenues are derived. So it's really kind of like catching a falling knife right now, it seems, and how low will it go, I'm not sure, but it, I think that there's probably still a little bit of additional downside uh, to it Trace. over the next 12 months. Trace, you're the author of a book called The Great Credit Con um, Contraction. Uh, you're involved in a website called runtogold.com. Um, we've only got about a minute. Can you give us your brief thesis on the world economy right now? Well, my brief thesis, I, I did explain it, is that capital is seeking the safest and the most liquid investment. And uh, the worldwide monetary system is built on a world reserve currency, the Federal Reserve note dollar, that's an illusion. It's guaranteed no purchasing power. And the reason we use money and currency, which are different things, is to perform mental calculations of value, to know whether something's a good buy or not. And gold is the safest and the most liquid investment. So if cash is king, gold is emperor, especially mm -hmm. in the particular environment. And you take Potash Corporation, for example, in June of 08, it took 27 ounces of gold to buy 100 shares. In December of 08, it took 6.4 ounces mm -hmm. to buy 100 shares. And so how low will it go? I'd say maybe three to five ounces to, uh, to buy 100 shares of the Potash Corporation. But, but being able to perform these mental calculations of value, the pricing mechanism, using a reliable currency, uh, which has to be a commodity, is the general thesis of my book. And that's because uh, the, the currencies that we use can become worthless uh, through hyperinflation. And so uh, we can't use them as a reliable instrument to figure out what things are worth. Trace, we're out of time. We'll have you back uh, as a guest on the show. Thanks very much for giving us the time. And if, if viewers want to find out more on Trace's views, you can go to runtogold.com or just Google Trace Mayer and the Great Credit Contraction. Thanks very much, Trace. Yeah, thank you, Andy and Boyd. Uh, Boyd, thanks a million. Uh, we won't dwell on the score. Please you, don't. You fought fair. Uh, unlike some maybe people. That was who... my, maybe that was my mistake. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll see you. Have a great weekend. You too. Uh, we're out of time on this segment. So there we go. We uh, 
had that go out to a couple hundred thousand viewers and even had some interesting visitors from my site from the Royal Bank of Canada and some other uh, financial institutions up there. Anyways, it's kind of like a three-eyed fish in the, in the mainstream media being able to perform these mental calculations of value in terms of gold, so that's pretty rare. Anyways, uh, thank you for listening to the 32nd episode and talk to you later. You've been listening to the RunToGold.com podcast, the premier source for applied monetary science on the web.